I am glad you're here today. Uh, just in case, maybe uh, there are visitors. My name is Blair, so I'm glad you're here. Um, if you're not uh, new here, you might be asking the question, are we about to do a Genesis thing? Because it's January, and the last few years we've done Genesis, and the answer is no, next week. Next week we're going to go into Genesis, because we skipped a story in Genesis. It was longer, it's... it's um, it's confusing, there's a lot to it, and we're not going to spend very many weeks on it, but we're going to go back and we're going to look at um, three weeks of the story of Jacob. And so if you want to go and cheat and read ahead and start getting into that, I think uh, you're going to be um, really challenged by what's there. I'm, I'm kind of excited to uh, bring that to you. But today, uh, today, this, uh, this talk, started on November 11th. I had gotten a good night of sleep uh, the night before. When I went to bed, I wasn't really tired. And a question entered my mind, and I knew I was in trouble. And the question was, what are you going to do with all the change that's facing your life? And I mean, normally, this is the time of year where you ask those kind of questions. You even plan on changing. You, like you set goals, all of that kind of thing. I was a little bit ahead of the curve, and my mind just started racing. I started thinking about changes I had to make in my diet. I started thinking about a move that I've got to make in a year. I started thinking about a career change, and we thought we had that all figured out, and now we don't think we do, and it's kind of confusing. We started thinking about, like, retirement. Why, that's not very far down the road. If it had anything to do with change, my mind was mauling it. Like the phrase, people don't like change. I got into an argument about that. Like, who? I'm people. I don't tend to mind it so much, and I see a lot of other people who seem to be okay with change. Is that true? Maybe it's just that change is really unsettling. And even then, I concluded, well, it probably depends on what kind of change you're talking about. The kind of unsettling stuff, maybe it's this type of change. See, there's change that comes into your life that you don't get to choose. In fact, you don't even want it. But you don't have a choice. You're going to have to figure out some way to live with that. You didn't want that medical diagnosis, but it was given to you. You didn't want all of that stress at work, but the market conditions or choices that were made by other people are now affecting you and you're carrying that stress. You didn't want that friction between a couple friends that you're now stuck in between of, and you're not really sure how to navigate that. Maybe you didn't want those divorce papers that you were just handed. And you're wondering, what do I do with this? See, that, that kind of change tends to be really disruptive to our lives. Maybe in some cases, it's just a short window where it messes up your routine and where it just kind of toys with you for a little while. But some of these, these are life rearranging disruptions. The way it was will no longer be the way it was. 
things will radically change from that point forward. You didn't want it. You didn't like it. And one of the changes I was mauling that night was in this category. I was annoyed that I was having to face that kind of a change. But I also had come to the realization that I didn't have a choice. I was going to have to deal with it one way or the other. So I was trying to think, how am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do? Now, another type of change, maybe it's a little less disruptive. I'm not, I'm not sure. But it's the kind of change that you choose. You were in your right mind. You're responsible for the choice. And you make the call. And it still brings some level of disruption to your life. You say, yeah, I want the new job. And, and you go for it. You put your house on the market. You get pregnant on purpose. Like, it was a choice that you made to go ahead and do that. And you knew that it would have some consequences you scheduled your classes. You looked at that other person and said, I want to break up with you. You chose that college. You, you did it. You're responsible. And all the things that come out of that, at least you can't say it was a surprise. Like, you knew what was, at least partly what was going to happen. Isn't that part of the issue? Is that even in this case, some of those changes you don't fully comprehend when you make that. But one of the things that I was thinking about that evening fit in this category. I had pointed my feet in a direction and I had taken steps. It's not a surprise, not a shock, but still had a lot of change. And, and it felt so different than the first kind of change that I didn't know how they even really even related with each other. One I, I wasn't responsible for, this one I was. And then I got to thinking of a different type of change. It's, it seems to just be part of the fabric of life. Like, the way life works, things just, they change. Governments change laws. Um, culture changes. Things that were cool aren't cool anymore. And... Now they are, and you got to, I'm not allowed to say that now? What, you didn't even know that? And you're surprised by it? The old gets tore down, the new gets built up. You, you age, or, or, or a life stage happens with somebody in your world that changes. It doesn't even have to be you. Their life stage changes, and it impacts you. And it's all just part of life. And I think maybe... Maybe you could say it rearranges your life. But we, we become pretty good at adapting to this kind of stuff because it's just part of the way life works. We know things are going to change. If we're living, we get caught in the stream of that and we just do our best to adapt. We do our best to adapt. We, um, we're in school right now and you get used to that. 
but you won't be in school forever, and then you'll have to get used to something else, and then you'll start your career, and then you have to get on top of that, and then as soon as you feel like you're getting on top of your career, then it's going to start aging out and changing, and then you're going to have to face your time. You have all of these things that are just part, they're just part of life, and that change felt really different than the other types of changes, and one of them that I was thinking about that night fit into this category. Actually, I think a couple did, where it was just part of the way life was progressing, and we had to kind of figure out how to manage all of that. So I'm, I'm laying in bed, my mind is racing through all of these things, and I'm asking God for wisdom. I'm asking God for any kind of insight, because I'm, I was feeling very confused. How am I supposed to take all of these things and juggle them? And for a while, what I considered was that because they're so radically different than each other, I'm going to have to have a different strategy for each one of these things. And as I tried to develop a strategy where I could tackle all of this stuff, I got really frustrated because I felt like they were so linked with each other, there was no way. Like, this is the thought that came to my mind. I'm, I'm laying in bed, and the thought came to my mind, I've got change soup on my hands. Like, I've got, I've got change I didn't choose, intermingled with change that I chose, intermingled with life change that's coming down the pike that is just part of the way it is. It's all in the same soup. And I don't, know how, I don't know how to sort through it. I don't know how to kind of make sense of it. And it was starting to be very frustrated for me because this wasn't a thought experiment. This is my life we were talking about. And what I saw was a mess. This is a mess. What exactly am I supposed to do with this, God? I had this thought. Maybe there's some underlying principles to all change that I could just grab onto and it would cover all of them. And, you know, thought in my mind says, that's dumb. They're too radically different. And so th um, this is what I did. This is, this is part of how I pray, is when I pray, there are times when I just get quiet. Because I'm having a conversation with God. I'm telling him kind of the way I think. What, I'm, a I'm asking for insight. I'm asking for wisdom. But I've found that if I don't leave space for that, I might not hear what God might have to say. He might move my spirit in some way. So I got quiet. It's hard. It's hard to shut off your mind when it's racing. It's hard to shut off your mind when you have all of this stuff that feels like it's confusing and you want some way forward. But I finally got still enough. I was quiet enough. And God did what he often does with me, but it was not enjoyable God stirred more into the pot. Uh, he brought a section of scripture to mind. I want to read it to you. And, um, and, and this, is, this is what happened as I'm laying there. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. And then he goes on in verse 23, and he says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, 
What he just suggested here as I'm laying there is, Blair, I'd like you to embrace some more change in your life. That's what I'm after. I'm, I'm after the kind of change that changes your mind, your heart, your soul. Like, I'm after some big stuff. And then, and then verse 24 goes on. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm asking you to do this because I have bigger goals and more important agendas than the stuff you're currently worried about. I'll tell you my reaction to that was, are you, are you paying attention right now? I mean, are you messing with me? Because I, I just told you I feel very confused. I'm feeling a little burdened by all of this change. And what you're suggesting is that you want to add more to the plate. That that would actually make you happy in some way. Why are we having this conversation right now? I'm already feeling like this is too much. And I, I laid there for a while. I don't know, it's one, two in the morning by now. And this thought came to my mind um, that I'll probably remember forever. And it was just this simple. I'm suggesting, Blair, that I'm comfortable with change. In fact, let me say this stronger. For God to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in my life, and I would suggest yours, it's necessary for God to take you through change. If he wants to accomplish anything of value, you will have to change. I will have to change. And when I realized late at night that I was in the presence of a God who wasn't wringing his hands, in fact, here's what I, here's what I realized. I was the one who was wringing my hands about all of the change that I was facing, and God was looking at it and going, finally, I've got you exactly where I want you. And when I realized that, I fell asleep. Now, I woke up the next morning, and I had, I had a mission. Because it was clear to me that when I fell asleep, that God had an agenda to find a way to change my heart, mind, and soul. He wants to change attitudes, the way I think. He want, like, he has business to do with me on that kind of stuff. But what I wanted to know was all of this other change that seems to be a part of life, stuff that you don't choose, stuff that you choose, stuff that's part of the fabric of life, does God have the same level of comfort with that? Is he okay with that kind of stuff rolling into your life, surprising you, upending you? And so I started looking. I started kind of going through the text because I, I wanted to try to understand how he felt about that because I knew how he felt about my heart and my mind. And I ran across some stuff. I, um, I want to spend most of our time in one little section of Scripture. I, I know that it's talking about uh, what God had planned for Jesus down the pipe. 
But I'm convinced that the underlying truths are absolutely real. And I hope that you'll take these and process. Like, I've been meditating on this for a little while now, so I've, I've had some time to talk with God about this. And I just want to share you um, some of the insights out of this, and then you can take that and digest it yourself and see if there's something real to it or not. Uh, where I ended up was in uh, Isaiah chapter 43. And in verse 18, it says this. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And then in verse 19, see, I'm doing a new, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. Now, I think there's a lot of stuff going on in this little section of scripture here. I want to just try to draw your attention to a few. Here's one of the things that um, I believe right now. I believe God is a forward-looking God. Seems to be consistently, constantly moving ahead. He's got plans. He's got, he's got stuff in the works that we always can't see, don't understand. But he's, he's out ahead of us doing some things. Now here's, this is why this is important to understand you can make one simple mistake and get out of sync with God. Here it is. Don't move. Don't move. Don't change. Don't go forward. See, God is, and when you choose to stay, there's a thing, a disconnect that takes place. Because God's out there moving. He's got something that he wants you to go with him on. But when you decide to just stay, because it's safe, feels better, it's what you know, whatever the reason, it's going to cause a sinking problem between you and God. And if you want to be active, involved in what God's doing, if you want to perceive the new stuff that's out there, you're going to have to be with him. Now, I, I started to ask myself, well, so is this easy to do? Is it easy to stay with God or is it easier to choose to just stay still? And I think it's the warning that we get in verse 18. Did you see that? He says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. He gives us that warning because um, in my assessment of this, I think dwelling on the past, dwelling in the past, ends up being a very easy thing to do. It's easy because I know it. It's easy because it's comfortable. It's dangerous. One, it's dangerous because God is moving. He's moving forward, and if you're stuck in the past, you're out of sync. That's bad. But there's a second reason I think living in the past is risky, which, by the way, is a little odd to hear God say. How many times did you hear God say to the nation of Israel, I want you to remember that I saved you during the Exodus? He drew them back to the past often 
but it was always to remember that they should trust him with their future because of what had happened in their past. See, our pasts are full of two things that we'll remember. One, the incredibly great moments in our lives we'll remember. And what can happen is if you live in the past on those incredibly great moments that are back there, you can wonder why my life isn't like that now. Why can't my relationship be like that now? Why can't my job have that kind of experience? Why can't my relationship with God be as hot as it was back then? And you look back and you suck the life out of that moment, that memory that you have, till you get to the point where you're bitter that your current life doesn't measure up to this good thing in your past. And over time, this thing that could have been good that you could have called on for positive feelings turns into something other than when you decide to dwell there. The second thing that's in your past is junk. Like stuff that people did to you. Choices that you made that you regret. Like all kinds of stuff gets stuck back there. And when you decide to dwell in the past, on the past, when that's part of what your thinking is, it begins to shape the way you see the world. You're fairly certain. It works this way because you have all the evidence that you need in your past. Now the goal the goal of having this stuff in the past is not to sweep it under the rug and ignore it. That will not work. You have to deal with it, not dwell on it. You have to find a way to deal with this stuff because it has the ability when we, when we dwell, when we stop, when we rest, when we put our minds back in the past, it will shape the person that you are. Who is that? The person who has attitudes, the way you think, the very stuff that God wants to change. The very stuff that God says, look, I need you to put off this old stuff and put on some new stuff. I want to do that with you. But when you dwell, when you decide to set up camp, when you decide that was your best life back then, you're missing this new thing that I could be doing out here. You're missing it. If you want to deal with your past instead of dwell there, I made a small list of some pretty difficult things that you might have to do. One, you might have to remove the power from that thing that's charging your life. What I mean by that is when you get energy, when you get motivation, when you, when you go and tap into something that gives you a belief to act on and it's this thing that's in your past, it's become your power source and you have got to find a way to disconnect from that and stop drawing your life from the past. It's become a habit. It's hard not to do. But if you want to deal with it, you've got to find a way to understand what happened there and to find a way to not let it shape you. You've got to take the power source away. In some cases, you're going to need to forgive somebody. 
you might need to forgive you. Where you just stop bringing it up over and over, the failure that's there. Where you stop looking back at what they did and how they did it. Because as long as you keep doing that, you're held there. And forgiveness frees you, moves you forward. Hard to do. Blair, are you saying I might have to let somebody off the hook? Yeah, you might have to let somebody off the hook. If you don't want to dwell there and you want to move forward, you may have to forgive. You may also have to change a belief that you have. That's hard. When the beliefs that you develop come out of this past place that you've been dwelling, you are utterly convinced those are true and right. And only when you understand that they're attached to your past, they're not attached to God, they're not attached to something that's true, they're not attached to anything in the scriptures, they're attached to this belief that you're drawing from, you have to change what you believe. That's really hard to do. That will be a long battle because that thought will come back to you over and over again that you have to act, have a certain kind of action, be a certain way, carry a certain attitude because of this truth, and it's not right. And so you change the belief. But if you don't, if you don't choose to go to war with this kind of stuff, right at the top of that section of Scripture, you get stuck And so the writer warns you, don't get hung up on the past. Why? Because here's the third and most important thing. I love this. It's a part of verse 19. It says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see what I'm doing? I realized as I've thought about this section of Scripture, that I wasn't seeing what God was doing because I was so distracted by change soup. Like, I was so distracted by the pile, by the mess, by all of the stuff that was going on that I couldn't even pay attention to the fact that God was doing something new and I should have had my eyes turned towards that but I didn't. It was there. Sometimes you're distracted, not by the change soup, but by the past. If you dwell there, you're going to get distracted by that. Sometimes what distracts us is the illusion of control, which is what I was praying for that night. I was praying for some sort of of understanding and strategy so that I could find a way to bring this all under control. I could find a way to direct, make choices, make the right thing. Like, it was insane. What I wanted was control. And it was an illusion. And the only thing that mattered was that God was doing something new. Would I actually give my attention to that or not. That was the bottom line. I've I've come to accept 
this truth. Yes, God does want to change my heart, mind, and soul. He's aiming for that kind of stuff to take place in my life. And he is incredibly comfortable with all the different types of change that happen in life if that's what it takes to get our attention. Because all change, it doesn't matter what it is, the stuff that you don't choose, the stuff that you choose, the part that's the fabric of life, when that change happens, it's an opportunity for you and I to grow. And we wouldn't grow naturally on our own. Did you hear that song that he sang um, after worship was over? Hang on. Just hang on to that feeling that you have. This is what we do. This is the, it's kind of the call in our, in our culture. Just hang on to that. Don't lose that. But God's pushing forward. He's doing something new. And, and he can't accomplish that in your life unless he gets you into a place of change, which is to say he's going to grow you. And there's the second important thing he wants to do. Change becomes the place where God connects with you in a meaningful way. Where you actually turn to him and say, I don't get it. I don't see what you're doing but I trust you right now. And that kind of connection yields the opposite of what we see change doing in everybody else's life around us. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but our culture has the fastest rate of change in the history of the world. Things are uh, changing with society, technology, relationships, you name it, um, the amount of change that we've experienced in the last 20 years is unbelievable. And it's going to keep going forward. And you know what's happened because of that? One of the highest recorded levels of anxiety ever. I want you to see this. This is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 16. It says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I want you to connect with God when you're faced with this stuff that causes you anxiety. And look what happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, what I was seeking that night was I just wanted some understanding. And what I needed instead was a connection with God that would allow me to go, you know what? I don't know how the future is going to unfold. I don't know everything about this. But I can have peace with you even if I don't have understanding. I can have, I can have an anxiety-free engagement with my future if I look at change the way God does, it's an opportunity for us to grow. It's an opportunity for us to connect. It is an opportunity to step into a future that God is doing something great and incredible that you don't fully see yet. But you can go on that adventure if you're open to it. I'm hoping as you process this, the change that God has coming into your life right now 
it'll take on a different meaning. You'll be more open to step into it with some courage because you were never meant to be alone and it's going to be the place where God refines and changes you like never before. My friends, he's got you right where he wants you. Let me pray. God, when we look at our lives and it feels like just a chaotic mess of change, it doesn't feel like anybody has us where they would want us. But God, that's how you look at this stuff. It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity for us to untether from the past and to move forward with you. And I ask that you would give us the courage to see it. To see when we're connecting our carts to the past and living there. God, give us the courage to do the kind of stuff, to change our beliefs, to forgive if we have to, to untether from that stuff that holds us down and to join you as you create this new thing that we haven't perceived yet. God, you're a good God. Will you give us the courage to trust you with our unknown futures? In Jesus' name, amen.